Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 250 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here in this episode. If you're listening to my voice, I want you to know I greatly appreciate your time, your attention, and the fact that you've tuned in today to learn something to help accelerate your tennis improvement. And I'm going to work as hard as I can to give you exactly that. Today, we're going to be focusing on the narrow path to tennis improvement. This is the road much less traveled by tennis players, including virtually all of your peers. And yet, it's the, it's the road that will drastically accelerate the rate at which you're currently improving or keep you improving for much longer periods of time without hitting those frustrating plateaus. So I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to be telling you a story uh, about some live coaching that we did about a week ago and uh, something I kind of learned about tennis that I never realized before. I've got a great quote for you and then I'm going to give you several practical ideas that you can apply to your own time on the courts to really ramp up the speed at which you're improving. Uh, before we get to the story, I want to quickly tell you about a blog I just came across, and I, I want to give uh, a shout out and dedicate this episode to Chloe at adventuresintennis.com. Uh, Chloe is very much in sync with everybody who listens to this podcast. Um, she really just exemplifies everything about the the followers that we have here at Essential Tennis Players that are focused, dedicated, high intensity, and really looking for every possible way to improve. Uh, and she's chron- uh, chronicling her journey through tennis improvement at her blog at tennis. I'm sorry, adventuresintennis.com. Strongly recommend you check out her blog and uh, follow her articles because really insightful stuff, very detailed about what's helping her improve. And uh, it's always always helpful in any endeavor in life to be connected to like-minded people that are going through the same things, having the same frustrations, uh, people that you can not only commiserate with at times when there's frustrations, but also celebrate with when there's breakthroughs and uh, success. Uh, So go check that out. So quick story. Last week, we did a live coaching session for Essential Tennis Academy, which is our ongoing digital coaching program that we offer here at Essential Tennis. And a couple times per month, we do a live coaching session where we, uh, myself, Ira Kirby, we're all there live on camera. We're, we're diagramming things. We're talking about technique. And we take questions live from students of Academy. And uh, it's just a really great interactive thing. And heading into each of those sessions, I always email Essential Tennis Academy students and ask for questions uh, up front so that we have some good questions to talk about while uh, people are coming in live and, and starting to interact with us during the actual call. So I, I sent a message to over 700 Academy students and I asked for their questions about slice ground strokes using back uh, backspin on both forehand and backhand on uh, ground strokes, shots that bounce. Mainly shots from the baseline, but it was open to whatever people were having problems with. And so I asked for frustrations, for common problems, uh, ways that slice is letting people down. And I was very surprised 
to only get two questions back after emailing over 700 students. What was even more surprising to me was not so much that I got very few questions about how students could execute their slice ground strokes better, but I actually got more questions than, than that from people saying, hey, you know, Ian, I, I don't really slice, so I, I, don't, I don't really need any help with my backspin shots, but there's this player on my local courts who uses slice a ton, and I'd really like some help learning how to beat that player. So just just take take a second and think about that. Uh, multiple people emailing me saying, uh, "I don't really use Slice. I don't need help with my Slice, but uh, because I don't use it." But there's this person who does use it, and man, they give me a lot of trouble. And I sure could use some help against that player. So I found I found that uh, that disconnect really really interesting, and I I realized something new about tennis players. This is a this is one of those elements that there's kind of kind of a an attitude that doesn't make much sense. And let me explain. Think about this in terms of lobbers. And if you're a doubles player, if you play a lot of doubles and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've played a lot of doubles and you know that the type of team that gets ragged on the most, the type of team that gets complained about the most, the type of team that everybody wants to avoid the most is the team that lobs a lot. But think about everybody practicing at your local courts. When was the last time that you saw anybody, doubles player or otherwise, practicing their lobs? Chances are you've never seen anybody practice their lobs. Maybe in a lesson, and even then, like thinking back over my uh, over 10,000 hours of time spent on the court with other teachers, I can't say that I've more than once or twice seen other teachers work on lobs with their students. But everybody hates lobbers, especially in doubles. So why, how, how, does, how is that possible? How, how does that make any sense? That on one hand, everybody complains about this shot, but on the other hand, nobody practices it. How about pushers? Everybody complains about pushers. They're the most notorious playing style in all of amateur tennis. But nobody practices going out to the court and hitting neutral shots, just middle-of-the-road shots to big targets, big, safe, easy-to-hit targets. Everybody wants more power with their ground stroke game. Everybody wants to hit more winners. Everybody wants more topspin. And those are the big sexy topics. Everybody hates pushers, but nobody wants to work on their consistency and their shot tolerance. Doesn't make much sense either. And so I realized that slice falls in that category. And I I didn't really realize it until just last week. A lot of players uh, complain about playing hackers or slicers or junk ballers or whatever, whatever you want to call it, players who specialize in hitting with a lot of spin, different types of spin, but no, hardly anybody, nobody goes out and practices their backspin shots, their slice shots. So when you come upon things like this that don't make sense, on one hand, complaining, on the other hand, nobody's trying it, nobody's actually developing it besides the few players uh, that everybody complains about, These are big leverage points. And it's not to say that you should be changing your style of play and uh, completely deviating from what you've been working on or maybe the plan that you've been following. But it's important to be aware of these different elements. 
these different opportunities that are out there. And this led me to uh, look up a quote that I kind of partially had in my mind, but I, I couldn't remember exactly what it was or, or who said it. And this is a quote from Jerry Rice, one of the best uh, football players of all time, a wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. He is quoted as saying, Today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. Again, that quote is, today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. So the, the thing is, the fact of the matter is, going out and practicing your lab takes stepping outside of your normal framework of what you think practice should be. It takes stepping outside of what the normal framework is for what a, even a lesson or a clinic is. Because it's just not something that's really done. But when you notice, when you realize that there's patterns with what wins matches and what uh, subsequently (laughs) players complain about, that's the only reason, by the way, that players complain about lobbers, that players complain about pushers, that players complain about slicers or junk ballers or hackers, is because it works. They complain about it because it's effective. Nobody would ever complain about playing a pusher if pushers always lost. (laughs) If pushers lost all the time, nobody would complain about playing against them. But the fact of the matter is they're really hard to beat. Players who have great lobs and doubles are really hard to beat. And players who mix up their shots and hit with a lot of different spins are really hard to beat for most amateur players. Not at all levels, but at the majority of amateur levels of tennis, they're really hard to beat. So even though those players are frustrating, those types of shots are frustrating, it takes some courage to step out and work on those shots because it breaks the status quo. It's not the types of shots that are normally worked on or that people want to work on. And this really is a big key to continued improvement and also improving at a faster rate than those who avoid such elements. What you should be doing rather than avoiding those things is seeking out the fundamental elements that most tennis players avoid or complain about. And that is the narrow path to tennis improvement. It's narrow because not many players are willing to take it. Not many players are are willing to work on many different things. And if you meet those elements head on and not only do it, but dive in with enthusiasm, then you will put yourself on the short track to success. Now, I've got some some practical ideas here, and I'm sorry, ideas here. Things that you've heard me talk about in in lots of different episodes of the podcast, if you've been listening for a while. Um, Others maybe a little bit new in this context. Uh, I've got six different practical ideas that you can do outside of working on your lab or uh, being more consistent or uh, hitting more slice. Here's a couple other ideas. How about putting in more serve repetitions. Everybody says that the serve is the most important shot in tennis, but how many of your peers, when you walk to your local courts, whether it be at a club, a country club, or a commercial facility, or your local parks, or uh, a school, or whatever it is, how many times, how many players out of 100 do you commonly see on your local courts with a basket of balls, just hitting serves. 
working on different spins, working on different placements, working on their first serve and their second serve, working on getting more power, working on their technique. Fact of the matter is only a small minority of amateur tennis players practice their serve on their own. Uh, by the way, we just published a, a new tutorial today, just uh, randomly. Uh, side note, if you go to EssentialTennis.com right now, uh, the very first tutorial on the homepage is called How to Play Tennis by Yourself. And it's a really, really great game that Kirby lays out in a new tutorial. And uh, it's how to practice your serve by yourself. You don't need a coach. You don't need a wall. You don't need a, a ball machine. You don't need a, a practice partner. All you need is a couple balls. I mean, really just half a dozen balls is fine uh, to be able to execute this. So there's a practical idea and something most of your peers are not doing to improve your game. Uh, number two, be, and this is kind of conceptual and attitude driven, but a huge one, be open to technical change. Be open to technical change. That means be open to making fundamental um, tweaks to your technique or maybe even a complete overhaul of a swing. Um, I just spent all day today, it's, it's four o'clock in, in the afternoon right now, 4.42, and I'm getting ready to go home. As soon as I'm done recording this, I've spent all day today combing over footage that we shot with a private student that came here to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to work with us from Los Angeles, California. We spent two full days together and uh, I just got done trying, I'm not done yet, I spent all day putting together just the progressions that we used to rebuild his forehand ground stroke. And this was a four or five player. Uh, somebody already a strong player, but there were certain fundamental elements that he needed to change to be able to make it possible to be 5-0 player and beyond. And so if you want fundamentally different results, you have to do fundamentally different things. This is a theme that I, I come back to over and over again in the podcast. If you want to be on the narrow road to tennis improvement, you have to be open to technical change. Most of your peers are not open to technical technical change. When I was teaching full time, if I had a, if I had a dollar for every lesson that paid seventy dollars to be on the court with me, walked out onto the court and said, "Ian, I want to get better, but I don't really want to change anything." And if you don't study improvement and uh, instruction and coaching. You don't know how ridiculous of a statement that is, and people would, you know, wouldn't say it exactly like that. But in more words than that, that's exactly what they would tell me. You know, I want to get better, but don't change this. Uh, but don't change that. I want, I want a better serve, but just don't change my grip. And uh, the longer I'm teaching, the more ridiculous I realize that is, and it's an attitude most players have that holds them back. We're afraid of change, and that's this is a big thing that holds players back, attitude-wise. Number three, video analysis of technique and match play. I've talked about this so many times on the podcast, I won't go into it in great detail. Most of your peers and most of your coaches are still not using video analysis. It's a huge improvement leverage point, and most players are too afraid to do it. If you want to be on the narrow path to tennis improvement, you will jump in and do video analysis. You can do it with your phone. You can do it with your tablet. It doesn't take any fancy equipment. Uh, I, I'm going to leave it at that for right now. But it's something that if you take your improvement seriously, 
There's no way around it. You need to do it if you want to improve as fast as possible. Number four, take good care of your body. The vast majority of your peers are not doing anything off the court to maintain their body, to keep themselves strong, flexible, and resilient. We just closed a promotion for Complete Tennis Fitness, uh, our step-by-step comprehensive fitness uh, program uh, for tennis players. The fact of the matter is, this is universal for all of us, myself included, as we get older, and I'm probably maybe a little bit older than you think I am. Uh, I've already experienced this firsthand uh, being in my mid-30s. The older we get, the more that off-court time spent is important to be able to, to handle the, the pounding against the courts, our lower body joints, and the co- repeated collision with the ball, with our upper body joints, especially uh, wrist, forearm, and shoulder. It takes its toll. And so if you want to be able to be on the court more and make more out of the time that you're already on the court, then being healthy and strong and pain and injury-free is super, super important. And it's something most players are not willing to do. They're not willing to invest the time or the efforts. Uh, number five, practical idea. Pay attention to what your peers complain about most and then develop that. That's basically what I was describing uh, earlier as, as I was talking about uh, the, the different elements, kind of thing, contradictory things where players complain about one thing but then don't work on it themselves. Pay attention to those things. And number six, this is a, a huge one and something where I'm working on a resource for all of you to be able to connect the, uh, to other players and do this. You need to find a practice partner for focused practice. It's, you can throw, you know, throw a tennis ball around your local courts and hit somebody who loves to play matches, but finding somebody who will do the focused repetitions necessary to actually get better and make fundamental improvements is very difficult. And this is for me, being the coach, being the digital coach, this is the number one thing I hear being complained about is, Ian, these practice drills are, are awesome. Yeah, I get it. You know, I, it's, these progressions are great, but nobody wants to do them with me. Everybody just wants to hit from the baseline for five minutes and then play games up to 20 or they want to play practice sets. Nobody wants to uh, feed to me. Nobody wants to trade off time, you know, being fed to, and then uh, you kind of trade being the coach back and forth. Nobody wants to do cooperative rallies where there's a target and a goal, and we're trying to achieve some kind of goal together. Nobody wants to put in that kind of time on the courts. Well, a few people do, and those people are listening uh, to my voice right now. So I, I've been working behind the scenes to, to create a, actually a separate website uh, that's just for connecting players who are looking for focused practice. And uh, I, I don't know when that's going to be available. It's, it's on the back burner right now. But this is a, a huge thing. And yes, it takes effort to find somebody like that. Uh, you have to do some digging. Uh, you have to get rejected a couple of times, you know, asking and having players tell you, no, no, I don't really want that. Maybe looking at you funny. But it's worth the investment. It's worth putting yourself out there. It's worth putting in the time and the effort to find somebody like that because over time, the two of you will reap tremendous benefits and improve much faster than your peers because of that focused practice time that you put in together. 
So hopefully this is helpful. It gives you a little bit different perspective. Hopefully it gives you uh, some new ideas to go out and spend time on the areas and the elements that most of your peers are not willing to do. I hope that you get on the, pa- the narrow path to tennis improvement. Uh, the wide path is easier, but most players stay on it and remain at the same level for years and decades. Uh, no exaggeration, decade after decade. I, I, I hear stories all the time uh, from players who just went with the status quo at their local courts and really were playing the same style, the same tennis that they were you know, 20, 30 years later until they finally learned how to focus on the essentials use progressions, and systematically improve their game. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. You you don't have to necessarily do it the way I say it, but um, there needs to, at some point, be focused time put in on the court and focused on the elements that will give you the most leverage and the quickest improvement. So hopefully this helps. If you'd like a step-by-step practice plan, Uh, that you can follow the next time you go out onto the courts to be able to do exactly that kind of practice, go to tennispracticeplan.com. That's tennispracticeplan, all one word, dot com. And uh, all you got to do is put in your email address and we'll immediately send you a PDF download that uh, gives you step-by-step instructions on how I recommend that you put in focused practice to get on that narrow path and make improvements that matter much more quickly. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube where we are the number one resource in the world providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.